0: In the sound hadith, the Holy Prophet asks his companions saying, Shall I not point you to that by which Allah wipes out bad deeds and raises up degrees and they say, Certainly Ya Rasulullah, and he says pouring the water when it's difficult, taking many footsteps to the mosque and waiting for the next prayer after the prayer. Verily, that is the fortress. That is the fortress. That is the fortress. This is one of the hadiths in which the Holy Prophet is telling us several things in one hadith. And on each of these things we could dedicate many khutbas. But today let us home in on the one thing which is Kathratul masajid, walking a long distance to get to the mosque we know that Alhamdulillah in our community in Cambridge some people have decided to move closer to the mosque to make it easier for them to attend and inshallah there is a reward for this but we also learned that some of the Salaf radiallahu anhum, were quite happy to live a considerable distance from the mosque. Why was that? Because they learned of this hadith that the more footsteps you take to the mosque, the more you receive this divine protection, the more you enter this ribat, this fortress. There is a barakah in every step we take. It is an opportunity to make just a little bit of mujahada. It is an opportunity for tasbih. It is an opportunity to create a gulf between the distractions of home or work and the attentiveness of the door that is required in the house of Allah. It is a good interval. So let's hold that thought. And then let's consider another important aspect of the Sunnah. He says, "Sallallahu alaihi wasallam, sallam أول خصمان يوم القيامة جاران the first two arguments to be settled on the Day of Judgment will be between two neighbors. We know how important being a good neighbor is in Islam. حُسْنُ لا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى يُحِبَّ لِجَارِهِ مَا يُحِبُّ لِنَفْسِهِ مِنَ Not one of you has iman until he loves the best for his neighbor just as he loves the best for himself and in the sound hadith he even says وسلم, لَا يَزَالُ جِبْرِيلُ يوصيني بالجاري حَتَّى ظَنَنْتُ أنه this is narrated by Imam Bukhari Jibril kept on urging me about the importance of neighborliness until I thought that the neighbor would receive a share in inheritance inheritance we know goes to family but almost to neighbors as well this is how important the neighbor is. <laughs> the Holy Prophet was told such and such a woman fasts all day and stands in prayer all night but she annoys her neighbors. And the Holy Prophet replies, she is in the fire. It's a drastic statement. Where does this come from? Why this importance of the neighbor? We understand the importance of the family, but what about the neighbor? SubhanAllah, it is part of good akhlaq. Somebody who sits opposite you on the bus or the train, well, you may not see them again, but somebody who is next to you permanently has greater rights over you. So let's just consider, sadly, some of the complaints which this mosque has been receiving in the last few days. Not just in Ramadan after Taraweeh and after the Eid, but in the last few days. Neighbours coming to the mosque to complain. Neighbours telephoning the mosque to complain. It annoys them and takes up their time. It annoys our staff, it takes up our time. It's bad for the image of the mosque. It's bad, therefore, for the image of the Muslims, and therefore it's bad for the image of Islam. The honour of Allah's religion is at stake in these things. People have come to the mosque, uh, and maybe the car park is full. Or maybe it's not full, but they find it easy to park on Vinery Road, or Madras Road, or Suez Road, as near as possible. So they don't have to toddle any longer than they need. They're not going to go a little bit further to find a proper parking space, and get the reward to be in this fortress, this ribat, of taking more steps to the mosque. No. They're in a hurry. They don't really think. They're in a hurry. So they block somebody's drive. So they block somebody's car. So they park badly. So they park noisily. And so the mosque has to pick up this reputational hit. Unnecessary. So let's, inshallah, rectify this. Muslim is intelligent, smart. He's not kind of some sort of Mr Bean when he parks. Doesn't think about anybody, but he's just looking for whatever seems easy. No. Muslim comes to the mosque knowing that his going to the mosque is part of his being in the mosque, and that Adab is important in Islam, and remembers this hadith in which this woman is praying all night to Hajjud, but still isn't saved because she's annoying her neighbors. So the smart believer might even say I'm going to miss this prayer but I'm not going to annoy the neighbors. And that is also from the sunnah. You can pray afterwards. You can pray late. You can pray at home. Uh, but the neighbor almost receives a share in inheritance. The Muslim neighbor and the non-Muslim neighbor. This is the meaning of al jari al-qurba wal al al-junub. The near and the far neighbor, according to the ulama, means the Muslim and the non-Muslim. Muslim neighbor. Now this has a bigger ramification. It's not just about parking habits. That's an easy thing to put right. But I was looking recently at some of the jewels in the endless <coughs> shining treasure chest that is the books of the Sunnah. And I found this hadith, which is a sound hadith, إِذَا قَامَتْ عَلَىٰ al الْقِيَامَةِ وَفِي If the Day of Judgment suddenly bursts in upon you while you've got something in your hand that you're planting <coughs> a sapling, a shoot, whatever it might be finish planting it What is the meaning of that? It's the end of time, it's the end of the world There will be no more harvesting of anything except the harvest which is the falah of the akhira الدنيا مَزْرَعَةُ الْآخِرَةُ So why should you do that? Because in Islam, nature matters. And I found so many other hadiths. And inshallah, they should be written with letters of gold on our hearts. مَا مِن مسلم أَوْ بَهِيمَةٌ ila كَانَتْ لَهُ بِهِ SubhanAllah. Another sound hadith. A believer does not plant anything or sow a single seed with the result that a bird eats from it, or a human being eats from it, or some animal eats from it, but that he shall receive a sadaqah for doing so. That's quite a generous hadith. Alhamdulillah, Arham al has given us yet another way of building up deposits in our sadaqah bank. Let's think about this one. Every time we plant something in our garden, uh, and we sit back and pay no attention to it, and a bird is pecking at the bud, uh, or at the seeds, or the bees are there, or whatever it might be, or the hedgehog is eating the slugs that come to the... whatever it might be, simple gardening things... There's a sadaqa. You may be sitting at home, sleeping, and this is going on in our garden. Sadaqa, 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 sadaqa. This is what he's saying, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And many of my scholars, rahmatullahi alaihim, used to love gardening. They used to like beautiful flowers and roses, but they used to like planting things. The Holy Prophet, alaihi sallam used to like planting things. So this is, if you like, the hadith of the gardener. Gardening is not just about making the house look nicer or creating a nice place to sit in when you have your barbecue on a July night. No, it's as well. All of those things that you planted you plant an apple tree ten years later an apple falls and rots away you don't even know that it ever existed the worms eat it, the birds eat it, the beetles eat it, for you In our Ummah, this has always been important. So, in obedience to this prophetic commandment, what does the Muslim do, for instance, when he buys a house in Cambridge? And maybe it's one of those houses where somebody has put concrete or asphalt in front of the house where a garden used to be. What does the Mu'min want? Sadaqah, 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 all day and all night. So he'll rip (coughs) up the concrete and get rid of the asphalt and plant something. And it doesn't have to be something expensive or something fancy or something delicate. It can be something really simple even if it's just a lawn. Ah, And he sits back and smiles because it's beautiful. And his children's souls are nourished by the sight of what is green and beautiful. And the neighbors love him because it's made the neighborhood more beautiful. And on top of all of that, sadaqah, sadaqah, sadaqah. This is an important sunnah and it is, if you like, the green way of being a neighbour. But this is just on the small domestic scale. It's affecting now that big garden which is the whole planet. We see terrifying news every evening of the world in flames. Algeria in flames. Ninety people have died. Turkey in flames, Greece in flames, California, Australia, rich countries, poor countries, dry countries are burning up. In Algeria, beautiful country, we should visit Algeria, beautiful people. They've had more fires this summer than in the last 12 years put together. And everybody knows what's going on. The garden of God's world maintained so perfectly, without a human gardener even, for countless millions of years it's now polluted, overheated, flooded because of Bani Adam. SubhanAllah. Allah places us on this earth and gives us so much. thamarat gives us every kind of fruit. But what do we do? Zahar al-Feser Dufil Barriu al nas. Corruption has appeared in land and sea because of what human beings have acquired with their hands. Which means materialism, greed. Too many products, too much junk, too much plastic in the oceans, too many strange hormones in the water, too many pollutants in the air, too much asthma, too much diabetes, too many allergies, too many sicknesses, many Adam is suffering, Never mind the trees and the animals that live in the trees. It is a catastrophe. It is a failure of khilafah, And it is also a failure of neighborliness. Because if you build a dirty factory with a dirty chimney, the smoke doesn't carry a passport. It could land half a world away and pollute some child, or cause sickness amongst the animals, or bring down the acid rain so the forests die. So this is global neighborliness. Mm -hmm. These prophetic hadiths that urge respect for nature and the principle of khilafah, good custodianship, and moderate consumption in nature are about everybody and their impact is global. The bird that is fed from your little apple tree in your little garden, wherever it might be in Cambridge, and then when it migrates, might go to Morocco or somewhere further away. A lot of the Cambridge birds spend the winter in Morocco, which is quite sensible, really. I wish I could do that. But Alhamdulillah, they don't pay any attention to the borders. This is a green neighbourliness that is about being a good global neighbour. It is about people you don't know, whom you will never know, but they are all from Bani Adam and we have a responsibility. أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُسَبِّخَ لَهُ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَالطَيْرُ الصَّافَاتِ كُلٌ قَدْ عَلِيمَ صَلَاتَهُ وَتَسْبِيحًا وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِمَا يَفْعَلُونَ Subhanallah, have you not seen, (laughs) there's an interesting way to begin the verse, think about it, have you not seen that everything in the heavens and the earth is giving تَسْبِيح, glorification to Allah and the birds in ranks, everyone knows its tasbih and its salat and Allah knows what they are doing wal wa and the kingdom of the heavens and the earth belongs to Allah and to Him is the journeying not to any other destination everything, everyone, every being returns to Him we are all one in that in that final destination, in that ma'ad. So when we pollute and when we consume, when we throw away plastic bottles that we never really needed, when we fill our trash with unrecycled and unrecyclable rubbish, we are contributing to the destruction, to the darkening, to the polluting of this world which is made for tasbih which is not just beautiful but is holy everything praising God and Allah is saying have you not seen and it's in the singular so we presume that it's the Holy Prophet والسلام, who is being addressed here the man of praise والسلام, who sees by some mysterious inner capacity perhaps the eye of the heart how everything gives praise and we know how the pebbles in his hand could give audible tasbih for his sahaba when he when allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed that if that could be the case for everything on earth and we saw the greatness of what everything in god's beautiful creation is doing we would treat it with more respect human beings would rediscover the beauty of khilafa and rediscover the responsibilities of being I bad Allah, Allah's slaves, not Allah's polluters or those who meaninglessly and mindlessly consume the finite resources of this great creation. Alhamdulillah, the Muslim Ummah is starting to wake up and the ulama are starting to cry out. 2015 the International Global Muslim Climate Change Symposium in Istanbul. One of the big events. So many ulama and Muslim scholars attended. So many Muslim countries were represented. Why? Because global warming, climate change, pollution actually affects Muslim countries very badly. Out of the ten most vulnerable countries worldwide listed by the United Nations, nine of them are Muslim countries. The Sahara Desert is 10% bigger than it used to be. The floods in Pakistan are predicted to get worse. Tens of thousands of people swept away. The sea level continues to rise, making the coast of Bangladesh too salty to cultivate. The United Nations expecting up to 38 million Bangladeshis becoming climate change refugees by the middle of this century. The Muslim world is threatened because of this facade. And we have to say, it's not our civilization that produced this materialism. Our governments might trot along behind the elites of the West and follow Western styles of consumer development. But it's not from Islam that this has come. But it certainly affects us, and it impacts upon us. So the ulama, alhamdulillah, are starting to rise to this challenge. Look at Indonesia, my last foreign trip. Indonesia. The Nahdlatul Ulama, which has about 30 million members, they say it's the biggest Muslim organization in the world. Great scholars. And the Mufti of Indonesia, Sheikh Hussein Mayango, have passed fatwa after fatwa. Fatwas against deforestation. Fatwas against animal trafficking. Fatwas even against lighting a fire in the forest. And green mosques, a thousand new green mosques, with sustainable materials used in their construction, with recycled materials used in their destruction, so more forest isn't cut down, with green concrete, with water recycling, with all of these features, a few of which we have in a different way in this mosque, although our climate is different. A thousand mosques, alhamdulillah. And then we travel to the opposite end of the Ummah to the no less beautiful country of Morocco and if you listen to the way in which some of the Muslim thinkers and ulama are speaking there, of course they know this is threatening the well-being and the health of the Muslims. This is an issue for every Muslim and Morocco alhamdulillah thanks to some of the ulama and some of the scholars and thanks to others as well is doing very well. 42% of Moroccan energy consumption now comes from renewables that is the highest percentage of any country in the world. Mashallah. Much higher than England, even though we see the windmills going up everywhere. But in Morocco, more. And alhamdulillah, the Muslim company that donated the photovoltaic arrays on the roof of this mosque, which generates electricity, is also responsible for providing green renewable energy for some of the mosques in Morocco. Who has not heard of the Kutubiya Mosque in Marrakech? Eight centuries old, wonderfully beautiful. Now <coughs> energy is supplied by renewables. So many mosques in Morocco now have green roofs, water recycling, sustainable materials used in construction, green energy tariffs, and their own power generation. Solar energy? they have plenty of it, wind energy as well. The biggest wind farm in the world is actually in Morocco. So alhamdulillah, even though not every Muslim country is thinking this way, there is progress and the Ummah is rising to the challenge. But we need to tell our scholars and tell our families and tell our communities, we don't like the forests burning when we're trying to pray. We don't like it when we can no longer grow rice in Bangladesh. We don't like it when the Swat Valley is completely destroyed by an unexpected flood. We don't like it when the glaciers are melting so that agriculture becomes harder throughout the subcontinent. We don't like it. We don't like it. The believers are suffering, growing sick, dying, becoming refugees. So of course, we need to ask our ulama, are you giving khutbahs about climate change? Are you reminding the believers about these beautiful hadiths Planting trees, planting things, re-greening the earth. Let the materialists destroy the earth. Let the believers be the ones who make it green and healthy once again. So inshallah we will be upholding this sunnah and upholding this practice even if it's just making sure that our gardens are properly cultivated in Cambridge. If we can't do much more, that is a contribution. And inshallah we'll be asking our ulama to make dua for the ummah and to give khutbahs and to give bayans and to remind everybody of the importance of this issue which is perhaps the largest single threat facing the ummah of Islam in this age. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala return the purity and the balance to the hearts of Bani Adam so that Bani Adam once again become khulafa, and so that Bani Adam, led by the Muslims, can once again be the good gardeners, the balancers, the Khulafa of this creation, inshaAllah. Barakallahu feekum, wassalamu alaykum.